This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So Curtis Sliwa is your upcoming host. I'm going to ask him about that back scratcher he's using right now. I think it says bear something or other, bear back scratcher. Yeah, well, I... Nancy, my wife got it for me. I've had the itch for 10 straight days. Yeah. And it's getting worse. Yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable being in studio with you right now. No, but Don't uh, worry about it. It's not scabies, okay. like Sid Rosenberg said. So, Curtis, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term code switching, but we've noticed that when you answer the phone and it's a random Guardian Angels member calling, you'll say, yes, hello. But when it's your beloved wife, Nancy, calling, it's, what's going on? Now, we've also noticed that you often blast 77 WABC hosts for singing on air. But then this morning, alongside Dominic Carter, some code switching. This happened. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. So, I mean, you know, you say you don't like hosts singing, but that's kind of you singing right there. Too busy scratching. I'm going out of my mind. This yeah, you is are. driving me crazy. All right, so your shirt is black, and maybe you're proud about that, but your back scratcher is also black. What is going on here? I mean, we're starting to get beyond concerned. I don't know if this is just a dry skin thing, some kind of allergy. I, I'm, I'm looking at something that could very well be eczema right there. I know you don't want to hear that because that's the Mama Luke Frank Morano overnight with the eczema. But I maybe think I got it from him. Maybe so. I mean, you, Mama Luke, you're I'm in the same in chair. The same damn chair. As that slacker, that deadbeat, that guy's always like always moaning and groaning. But anyway, let's get down to what I gave you homework to do. Okay, let's not do small talk. Anything to avoid doing your homework. Right? I that's, did my homework. That's what I did. In I got to teach. Brad Lander reported a thirty-three billion dollar loss in pension funds that were being invested on behalf of city workers and also retirees for the city of New York. Out of a what, a two hundred and sixty billion dollar pension fund? That's an incredible loss. Now you told me on the on the hush hush mush mush, somebody from his office was going to explain this to you. Yeah, well, I have been in contact with somebody from the comptroller's office, and basically, um, you know, what's happening here is there's a discrepancy to a certain extent with the numbers because when Lander took office in January of 2022, the fund was listed at a value of, well, let's see, just before that, December 2021, the assets under management for the New York City Pension Fund were $274 billion. In November of 2023, just a few months ago, the assets under management were listed as $254 billion. Wait, so wait, 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 that's $20 billion, right? $20 there, billion loss, right. So we thought maybe on that tweet we first saw $33 billion. Turns out it's $20 billion. Now, when I pressed her as to whether or not this could have to do with, like, the stock market struggles in 2022 or maybe the divestiture of oil funds, I tried to give her, you know, some sort of explanation. You, you tried to give her an out. Kind of, yeah. She said, no, actually, um, that there's no correlation to loss. You don't want to look at this as a loss. Net asset value reflects the market value of existing assets, and it fluctuates in part 
due to our benefit contributions and payments. What? Now, so wait a second. What, I, are, you, what are you getting? Larry Kudlow here? What I did actually think I, need, I was thinking I needed to call Larry Kudlow, but I was working with Noam on this and trying to understand. Oh, why? Because he's Jewish. He's good with numbers. Oh, that's you're taking it there, not me. But no, he's basically uh, potentially the argument would be that since New York City lost so many city workers during the pandemic and they never hired those people back, those contributions to the pension fund are not being made while retirement payouts are increasing. Do me a favor. Okay. Get the hell out of here. I'm going to let my wife, Nancy, she's done the deep dive tomorrow when she joins me on the rip and read. Okay. You bought that propaganda from that socialist controller of the no, city of never, New York. No, she never. I still haven't gotten a response to whether yeah, or not. Yeah, of course you haven't. Well, you need to be Larry Kudlow to understand what kind of tricknology language she used. Meantime, I'm dying here from this scratching, this itch. So you know what? I'm going to bring you back on when we talk about how New Jersey is basically saying, New York, New York, a wonderful town. You like that singing? Uh, yeah, see, there you go. You finally did do some singing. Infectious, almost as infectious as this itch. Get out of here. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. Feel like a lion in Kenya, you know, with the fleas. And I don't even have a tail here. I've got this scratcher, back scratcher, given to me by my wife, Nancy. Ten days of scratching. And Sid Rosenberg says I have uh, scabies. You know, that's infectious, Justin Ellick. But that's not why we're playing Lion King. Heavens to Betsy, I must have the heebie-jeebies. Hey, by the way, is that anti-Semitic if I say I have the heebie-jeebies? Why don't you figure that out, right? So anyway, let me give you the bad news, because it's really bad news. You know, Lion King has been uh, on Broadway, oh, for a month of Sundays. I remember at the old WABC when we were owned by Disney, And Disney should never have been in the business of talk radio. They're the ones who decided that the king of talk radio should be whacked. And guess who had to come on his show and let everybody know that Mickey Miles and Minnie Miles had fired Bob Grant? Me. And for two weeks straight, oh, the fax machine was humming, you traitor, Curtis. How dare you? You stuck the shiv in the king of talk radio, your mentor, Bob Graham. And I said, oh. What the hell would Bob Grant have done if I got whacked by the Gaudis and Gambinos who almost did? But anyway, that was just uh, a different time, different day. 
And Disney, uh, who had no business owning talk radio stations, decided after that to get out of the business of owning talk radio. But they have had this success on Broadway, The Great White Way, The Lion King, every day since they first debuted. And I I think I went to the opening uh, show since we were all asked to go and watch and enjoy it and then promote it on WABC. Great show, no doubt about it. But problems for the Lion King, and it's not the performers. There's no strike of the stagehands or the actors or actresses or everybody involved in the production. Rather, the Broadway musicians are being preyed upon by violent criminals at the stage door of the Lion King and other shows. So this Disney production is suffering from the fact that many women who are attached to the production are getting followed once they walk out into the breezeway of the Minskoff Theater. And in fact, in one instance, at a matinee, a musician was coming out of the stage to a violin, uh, violinist and a thug broke her wrist in 10 places, nearly ending her decades-long career. Another Lion King violinist was targeted twice in the past year by deranged thugs outside the theater between 45th and 45th. One thief tried to swipe the instrument strapped to his back. Two months later, the musician was attacked by a different thug who fled after the violinist decked him. Another attack occurred outside of the New Amsterdam Theater when a stranger whacked a substitute drummer for Aladdin in the head with a tree branch weapon just as he was heading inside to perform that evening. It's like a knockout game. They follow the musicians either before or after. They come up behind them, and they hit him as hard as they can, and then run away. The drummer still managed to play despite observing dents in his head from the assault, but a few days later he began slurring his speech and couldn't walk straight. He went right away to the ER and was diagnosed with a concussion, He hasn't played on the Great White Way since. He said this, I've been playing drums in that area since 1978, doing Broadway stuff since 1990. I've never, ever been assaulted, ever. They now know that we are easy prey. Now, let's think about it. You got thugs and thugettes hanging out there from the Port Authority right on down 42nd Street to 7th Avenue. Up through the Times Square area where you have uh, all the cartoon characters and superheroes. By the way, all of them, Justin Ellick, you may not know, uh, illegal aliens who live in Passaic and come in on the bus to the Port Authority. And then they basically shake down tourists, forcing them to give them money because they claim, oh, you took my picture, you got to give me money. And then they're nu- the nudistas, the women With no clothes on, all they do is paint their breasts, you know, uh, red and blue. And they want money. And then, of course, there's the naked cowboy. That's just Times Square. Then you go down the side street. You go over to 8th Avenue, right? You go over to uh, the hotel, which is now NY Row, New York Row. And they got 100, 100 Vespas and motorbikes outside of the illegal aliens. None of them registered. None of them were licensed. All of them should be confiscated by the NYPD. You got these illegal aliens at night fighting one another. None of them get arrested. The cops from Midtown Southman said, don't arrest them. If they're illegal aliens, they are untouchables. 
And down 42nd Street between 8th Avenue and 7th, the old McDonald's there used to be the largest in the world has been turned into a place where the illegal alien, single, able-bodied young men of military age with nothing to do and nowhere to go, they're housed there, they hang out outside, and they jostle, and they cause all kinds of problems in the area. And the mayor had to finally admit that there are a lot of crimes being committed by the migrants. He calls them asylum seekers. I call them the illegal aliens. But worse yet, without the economic engine of Broadway, this city will continue to fall into the abyss. Because think of all the people from all over the country, all over the world, plan their yearly trip to New York City, stay at a hotel, will go to shows, will go to restaurants, will shop. And then they'll head back to their their country of origin or their place of origin. The lifeline of the Great White Way Broadway has always been the surrounding suburbs of New York City. So whether it's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Westchester, Nassau, Suffolk, or the Mid-Hudson Valley. And this is a stark reminder of how things are going so poorly in the Broadway area. Broadway is attracting fewer theater goers from New York City suburbs, and the major reason is safety concern. The Great White Way sold 12 million tickets in the past season. That's a 17% drop. Suburbanites accounted for mere 14% of the overall tickets last season, the lowest number on record. The city has a problem when it comes to crime. For people who are 55 years or older who have the um, extra income to afford coming in, seeing a theater, maybe a matinee on Wednesday or Saturday, then having a dinner or a lunch, going shopping, and then heading home. They are deciding over and over again they're not coming into Broadway for either a Broadway production, musical, or drama, or an off-Broadway production. Half of suburbanites who have not returned to Broadway cited concerns about safety as the main reason why they see fewer shows. A whopping 41% of the suburbanites said, I travel to Manhattan for pleasure less often than I did in 2019. This is going in the wrong direction. This is not spiraling up. This is not leveled off. This is descending into the abyss. I remember what it was like in 1988. 1988, because of crack cocaine, the marauders, crack dealers, crack users, pimps, prostitutes, gangbangers, especially west of 8th Avenue that was like the green line of Beirut. I remember the great restaurant tour, Joe Allen, who had Joe Allen's and Orso's on Restaurant Row 46th Street between 8th and 9th. Uh, Barbettas, a whole other great number of restaurants. Half of them were empty because crackheads were going inside and robbing them when business was open and breaking into them when business was closed. And Koch was the mayor at the time. Joe Allen, representing the restaurant tour, said, I'm inviting in the Guardian Angels. I'm inviting in Curtis and the Guardian Angels. And Ed Koch and his police commissioner, Benjamin Ward, one of the worst ever, threatened Threatened everybody on Restaurant Row and in the Great White Way, Broadway, and throughout the theater district that if you invite in the Guardian Angels, you won't get any more cops. And I remember Joe Allen said to him, 
Guess what? We ain't getting no cops now. We'll go with the Guardian Angels. And we gave a badly needed Kalani to Restaurant Row, to the Great White Way, Broadway, Off-Broadway, Schubert Alley, that whole area, and cleaned it up. Now you have the problem that it's sliding into the abyss because of thugs and illegal aliens hanging out there at the old Milford Plaza. You remember that. You remember the advertisements. 600 rooms occupied by illegal aliens, $400 a room. Many of them Venezuelans who now are being charged with crimes, even though they're charged, they're released because they're untouchables, they're illegal aliens, and the NYPD has been told by City Hall, leave them alone. What are we going to do in May when congestion pricing kicks in? About 15 bucks a clip. It'll probably be more. If you go south to 60th Street, which you would have to with your vehicle, first off, you got to take out a payday loan, a reverse mortgage to pay for parking. It's outrageous. Then you get clipped with the congestion pricing fee. Could be anywhere from 15 to $25. Then they got all kinds of speed cameras. If you're a mile over limit, $50 plus a surcharge. And people are going to say, as they're saying already, why should I come into Broadway, the theater district, for a musical or a drama or an off-Broadway production? The price is too high. It's too much of a threat. There are thugs everywhere, illegal aliens everywhere. It looks like a third-world country. I'd much rather stay home. And this mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, continues to talk about how crime is going down, how New York City has come back. This guy is delusional. Just look at Broadway. They've taken a massive hit as New York City suburbanites steer clear over safety concerns. It's the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Express from Teterboro Airport, Jeffrey the Perv, pedophile Epstein, and Giselle Maxwell, his procurer, his pimp. Oh, the names are starting to pour out, Justin Ellick. They're starting to pour out drip by drip. Would you like to know a few of them who have yet to have been mentioned before? We know there was Bill Clinton, right? 50 times, right? Well, guess who else? Might have gone to Pedophile Island. We got to pin this down. 
his vice president, Al Gore. Oh, yeah. On the Lolita Express. Oh, man. Leonardo DiCaprio. George Lucas of Star Wars. Bruce Willis. Former Prime Minister of Israel, Ehud Barak. David Copperfield. Bill Richardson, who tried to fix the Monica Lewinsky affair for Bill Clinton, frequent traveler to the uh, uh, land of uh, kimchi, North Korea, of Kim Jong mentally ill. Oh, wow. Dershowitz, regular guest here on WABC. He's like on every show. Oh, and they just keep going through a list. The names keep dropping. Half of them, I don't even know who they are. But they are men of extreme wealth. And we're only like one-fifth of the way through 177 names. The big ones, George Lucas, Star Wars, Leonardo DiCaprio, Bruce Willis, and Al Gore. We had never heard those names mentioned before. We hope to keep you updated all throughout the day. These names should have been released a long, long time ago. 177 of them uh, as per a uh, deposition that was done against Giselle Maxwell, who should be locked up forever. Uh, A pimp for the perv of all pervs, pedophile, Jeffrey Epstein. If you believe he took his own life, I don't. If you believe that he was killed in uh, prison uh, or if you believe that somehow he was smuggled out and he's in the custody of either the Saudis, Shin Bet, or, in fact, the royal family, pick your poison. Uh, what What a dirtbag this guy was. And, again, he never went to Harvard. He walked around with Harvard Crimson on because he was getting people to donate to Harvard, and they said, hey, he's a graduate of Harvard. Lie. Came out of Seagate next to Coney Island, went to Mark Twain Jr. High School, Lafayette High School. Come on. Stop it already. Stop it. But I want to see those names flow. I want to hear George Lucas explain what the hell he was on the Lolita Express for. And Leonardo DiCaprio and Bruce Willis, well, he's now suffering from dementia. Ehud Barak and definitely Al Gore. Imagine, Bill Clinton and Al Gore might have been on the same pedophile flights, the Lolita Express, the pedophile island. But let's switch gears and talk about the people we do know who are coming in, who have had no background checks whatsoever. The moment they say that they are asylum seekers, it may be the only English they know, but that's all they have to say. They step into the United States, and then all of a sudden, they're on that double Dutch bus. Oh, yeah. Two days. Well, that's the train. El Bisto. That's okay. They're coming in uh, El Bisto. I, I know it's it's complicated. El Bisto through Mexico. Viva Libra, America. Viva Libra, America. Vaya, vaya, vaya. And then it's a two-day trip by bus pounding the hound, although uh, Governor Abbott has upgraded the accommodations in our party buses. And they're coming to Secaucus. The Frank Lautenberg Transit Center, if you've ever been there, in the middle of uh, Secaucus. Oh, my God, it's a maze. You get lost. You go up, you go east, you go west, you go down. You never seem to be able to get to the right platform. So they're landing. They're landing in Secaucus. They're coming off the bus. 
and apparently acting as coyotes for them the rest of the way are New Jersey Transit Police, who are saying, underlay, underlay, underlay. It's time to get on the New Jersey Transit El Bisto for the rest of the way. Five-minute ride into Penn Station. And then the New Jersey Transit cops are acting like coyotes to take them over to the Roosevelt Hotel for processing. Uh, I put on this case. I gave additional homework to uh, to James Flippin to reach out to Governor Half in the Bag Murphy and to respond to the offer of cooperation from Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, to somehow cooperate in fighting back against Governor Abbott, sending the illegals to New Jersey so that they could continue the trip to the Roosevelt Hotel. What response did you get from half of the bad Governor Murphy? Well, let's see here, Curtis. So we did get a response from one of Murphy's press uh, secretaries, and basically... What they told us was that our administration has tracked the recent arrival of a number of buses of migrant families at various NJ Transit train stations. New Jersey is primarily being used as a transit point for these families. All or nearly all of them continued with their travels en route to their final destination of New York City. And we're closely coordinating with our federal and local partners on this matter, including our colleagues across the Hudson. Now, Murphy also gave some comments yesterday uh, with a gaggle of reporters in Newark, where he basically said that around 20-some-odd buses had arrived in recent days, carrying, I guess, upwards of maybe close to 1,000 people, and that most of them had gone to New York, but maybe dozens had stayed in New Jersey. Now, who the hell would stay in Secaucus? Are you freaking out of your mind? Well, it's you not just a caucus, though. These are be- people are being dropped off in Hoboken and in Jersey City. We're seeing them being dropped off in Edison, New Jersey, which oh, is down oh, in. Oh, that's right. That that mayor there, Sam Jossi, has said, "Yeah, you come here to Edison, home of Thomas Edison on the Jersey Turnpike, now called uh, Little New Delhi." And we'll ship you right around back to Texas, right? Isn't that what he said? Yeah, he said he's going to basically charter buses of his own and send them back down <laughs> to Texas. So Abbott is sitting there in Austin, in the state house, saying, who is this little pisher, this little schmendrick Sam Joshi? I sent two buses to Edison. You want to see buses? Yeah, how about I send you 12 buses, okay? I'll break the budget of Edison, New Jersey. Yeah, it's guy, tough guy, Sam Joshi, right? But I noticed Murphy... Although he said all of that, officially, he's having the New Jersey Transit Police, the state agency, act as coyotes at Secaucus to take the illegal aliens the rest of the way into Penn Station and then to walk them over to the Roosevelt Hotel for processing in New York City. Is that not correct? Well, I mean, I haven't necessarily seen those New Jersey Transit Police myself, but I do know that Murphy said yesterday in speaking with reporters that New Jersey has a plan. And then he said the plan is New York City, because New York City is getting federal resources. Really? Really? You could have fooled me. But anyway, look, they can all see New York City, whether it's Secaucus, they can see it from uh, Jersey City, they can see it from Hoboken, they can almost reach out and touch it. The most amazing thing is the idiocy of Eric Adams not to have somebody at City Hall who understands Jersey politics. Here's Murphy, his wife, who's henpecking him. You know, now it's my turn. I'm running for Senate. I'm going to challenge Bobby Menendez, the crook, with the gold bars and the money coming out of his pockets. And now we understand uh, imported watches from Qatar. I'm challenging him. And also there's Congressman Kim who's challenging him. It's going to be a heated Democratic primary. And so now 
His handpacking wife is saying, you better not work with Eric Adams. First of all, he's promoting congestion pricing. Secondly, we don't want any of these illegal aliens here. You better make sure they go the rest of the way. You got that? Well, look, all I know is I think, Curtis, you're not necessarily doing as much as you possibly could in this situation. Because if you just showed all these migrants your constant itching, they might be dissuaded from coming to New York City. Because I know the rest of us are very uncomfortable with your constant scratching. He's getting the back scratcher out. Well, remember, I did get latent tuberculosis uh, when in the Colonia Libertad, Colonia Juarez, and TJ, Tijuana, many, many years ago. So, yeah, yeah, there may be something to it. Let's look at all these other officials. Hoboken, right? Yeah, I, I emailed Mayor Ravi Bala. No response. Of course not. He's too busy challenging now Bobby Menendez Jr. for his congressional seat. You don't think he wants to accept any of the illegal aliens there. He will have no shot at unseating Bobby Menendez Jr. Hey, what about Noam Layden's friend? Noam was in the hot tub there in the Heights with Mayor Steve Fulop, graduate of Goldmine Sachs, who thinks he's going to become the next governor and beat Citarelli uh, once uh, Murphy is term limited. Oh, well, what is Fulop said? Well, we did contact Fulop's press team, and his press secretary got back to me. Thanks for reaching out, James, but we are deferring to the governor's office as they have the info. <laughs> he doesn't want any illegal aliens. And by the way, most of these cities consider themselves sanctuary cities. Am I right? Especially Jersey City, Hoboken. I don't know who the hell would seek sanctuary in Secaucus, to be honest with you. Oh, my God. Whoa, whoa, wait. Don't drop them off at uh, Frank Lautenberg Station there. Just drop them off outside of MetLife Stadium because what's across the street? The American Dream Mall. You could say, hey, here's the American Dream. Now go in there and watch the locals as they loot and boost products and learn the American way. Oh, this is crazy. And Eric Adams... Uh, let me hear what Eric Adams had to say here. Like he thought he was going to get cooperation from Murphy and all these other mayors in surrounding uh, uh, suburban towns. And we coordinated and communicated with the municipalities in the area. And they should all do the same, EO. They should look at everyone that has that train line that leads into the city, everyone that has the municipalities around us. They should do the same EO. This is what we learned from Chicago. He tried it in Chicago also. We're dealing with a person who just wants to disrupt. This is not about raising the attention on an issue. This is a mean-spirited way of using people and disrupting uh, municipalities. You're an idiot, Adams. You are, this guy beats you every day of the week. He's smarter than you. He's out-hustled you. He's out-planned you. If you just go back to August on that first day when he created the receiving line, with his uh, Department of Immigration chairperson and all their staff, they were there giving out swag bags to all the illegals coming off the Greyhound. The first uh, Greyhounds that were being pounded from Texas to the Port Authority. And he said, we're a sanctuary city. We can do it better. Just think back then, Governor Abbott invited you to come down to the border and join him. See the problems that Texas was dealing with. Ten times the problem that we deal with in New York or any sanctuary city or any sanctuary state north of the Mason-Dixon line. And by the way, there's no law that says we're a sanctuary city or a sanctuary state. That is nonsense. All Eric would have had to have done, Adams, is go down, stand there, 
look with Adams, listen to what Adams had to say, and then agree to disagree on almost every other issue, as a lot of Republicans and Democrats do, but agree that it's up to Joe Biden, the president, to seal the border. And to the Speaker of the House's credit, Johnson, he took 60 uh, GOP members down to the Texas border and then had a press conference after viewing the invasion firsthand. And he announced that the House will shut down the government in 16 days if the border is not sealed by Joe Biden and if the asylum rules have not been changed. That means no aid for the Ukraine, $60 billion, no aid for Israel, $14 billion, no aid for Taiwan, $4 billion, and no aid to just hire more agents at the border or machines to detect fentanyl. It must include the sealing of the border and an executive order by Joe Biden, and it must include a plan to change the easy asylum rules that exist now, and the clock is ticking to see who's going to blink first. Speaker of the House Johnson did the right thing with the 60 members of the GOP. They're forcing the issue. The borders must be sealed. It's the Riff and Read. Talking about featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. mansions on pedophile island jeffrey epstein giselle maxwell his procurer and the list of names is now dropping fast and furiously 177 this is the breaking news you have george lucas on star wars is going to have to explain what the hell he was doing with jeffrey epstein apparently on the lolita express leonardo dicaprio bruce willis Although he's uh, obviously not able to explain anything. He's suffering from dementia. Ehud Barak, David Copperfield, uh, Al Gore. That's the new one, Al Gore. So maybe uh, Bill Clinton and Al Gore were on the Lolita Express together. They both love massages. Remember Al Gore, that massage in, uh, I think it was Portland, Oregon, in which uh, he had that uh, happy moment? And then, of course, a regular guest here at WABC, Dershowitz, who already said he came to a settlement with the main victim and that he's happy to see that all 177 names are being dropped. Nobody here at WABC yet. Don't get nervous, Justin Alec. But apparently the list that I have that I never announced in advance, you just never know, boy. <laughs> Look, Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers is... Uh, uh, sparking off with Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel threatening to uh, sue him because he mentioned that Jimmy Kimmel might be on the list, right? Because Jimmy Kimmel was friends with uh, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, head chef to be continued. But let's go back to what's happening locally. There is a war that is now opened up. It's a full-scale war because Eric Adams... Swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, has lost all his juice. 
He's got no strength. And everyone realizes that. Notice, he goes up to Albany, all the people he used to work with in the state Senate, Cousin Stewart, this is him. Carl Hasty, the crooked leader of the state assembly, this is him. City council, they actually vote against his wishes. The most recent one was uh, the two pieces of legislation that were proposed by uh, Jumani Williams, a public advocate, now forcing cops to write down every interaction they have with the public, which is crazy, and eliminating uh, the bing uh, in which uh, when you're a troublemaker on Rikers Island or in a correctional facility, you're put in solitary confinement. Well, this was uh, Eric Adams deciding to go to war against Jumani Williams yesterday in his press conference in One Police Plaza, where he's uh, basically declaring that we're back, crime is down, uh, but he's got bones to pick with Jumani Williams. To be able to advocate to erode the ability of police to do protection when you have an entire army protecting your family and you drive around with police protection, um, and I don't know when the last time he was on the subway system. Well, it is true. Jumani Williams, public advocate, lives on Fort Hamilton, as I first announced a long time ago, uh, with his wife, with his kids, in a house in the most secure place in all of New York City, all five boroughs, the active garrison, the fort that is underneath the Verrazano Bridge right by Dyker Heights Bay Ridge. That's an absolute fact. And, yep, he has round-the-clock police protection, armed protection, and he has to show ID every time he goes into the fort uh, because of the military police there. So he's correct. But then, unexpectedly, Jumani Williams holds a press conference on Zoom in his home in the Army base in Fort Hamilton and fires back at Eric Adams. It's absurd. I, I will say I live in Brooklyn with my wife and kids and my understanding, the mayor lives in New Jersey with his girlfriend, so it's uh, funny for him to uh, try to say something like that to me. Psych! Exactly what I said, what uh, uh, Andrew Yang said when he was challenging Eric Adams in the Democratic primary, when I was challenging him in the general election, that in fact he lived in an apartment building. I've actually been there on the floor, 22H. All the neighbors said, yes, he lives there with his beard or whatever you want to call his girlfriend. So now what's the mayor going to say in response? You see, Jumani Williams would never have said this about the mayor in the first year because the mayor could have retaliated. What can the mayor do? Jumani Williams has him by the short hairs. He controls the city council. He has a veto-proof majority now on each and every issue And Eric Adams, instead of going out and challenging the socialists, the progressives, the liberals in primaries, is feckless, is weak. He has no juice. He has no troops. So now he's got to take it on the chops. And Jumani Williams is licking his chops. He wants to become the next mayor. And if Eric Adams is taken to the big house in chains and shackles, which I believe may well occur this year, by the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District, Damien Williams, that would mean Jumani Williams becomes the mayor. Yet also circling like a hawk and a vulture and a buzzard 
is Andrew Evilage Cuomo, who is now apartment shopping in New York City because he's licking his chops thinking he'll move in and become the next mayor of New York City, first ruining New York State and then ruining New York City over my dead body, guys.